problem gambling continues to impact the lives of many people and those who love and help them. For far too long, gambling continues to remain under the radar in comparison to other issues talked about in addiction and recovery. Why is gambling often overlooked or completely ignored? What is it about gambling that makes it hidden as far as an issue that needs to be addressed? Talking about gambling is one of the ways to bring the awareness to light, and what better time to do it during Problem Gambling Awareness Month. If you've ever listened to any prior episodes of Talking Addiction Recovery Podcast, we often talk about addiction recovery in relation to alcohol and drugs. However, over the course of my career as a counselor and clinical supervisor, I've worked with people on alcohol, drugs, pornography, video games, shopping, other spending even. I remember working with a guy who spent a lot of money on shoes. And yes, gambling. I mention gambling quite often and for several reasons and one of them is because we simply don't talk about it nearly as much as we need to and that is what we are going to do in this episode of Talking Addiction and Recovery and I am your host Andrew J. Schreier as always and we are here to talk about issues related to addiction and recovery. March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month so I'm going to be doing more talking about it because gambling has been something that I've been aware of as a professional for many years and this is a time to really recognize it and spread its awareness but continue the ongoing conversation and the problem gambling awareness month you know comes from the National Council on Problem Gambling and the campaign has two goals which is to increase public awareness of problem gambling and the availability of prevention, treatment, and recovery services. And the other goal is to encourage healthcare providers to screen clients for problem gambling. So right now it's a good reason to talk about gambling, but you know, what is my interest in gambling as a counselor? And several years ago, this was early on in my career. So we're talking, you know, probably 12, you know, 14 years ago, I attended a conference that was put on by the Wisconsin Council on Problem Gambling. And as I attended the conference, I remember listening to a speaker say, you know, we are still about 20 years behind where we are with progress in comparison to alcohol and drugs. And this shocked me because at the time, I was new into my career as a counselor and was learning so much about alcohol and drug addiction. And it was also a time when there was so much being looked at with the disease model, with what we've learned about with brain scan imaging and understanding what happens to the brain and everything that's going on with substance use. So to hear that gambling was 20 years behind was really concerning. It was like, wow, what's going to happen to to people in that population if they're so far behind? But, you know, my focus early on was to, you know, dedicate my time and understanding and learning about alcohol and drugs. But I, I knew that sooner or later I wanted to come back and dedicate more to the issue of gambling. So that's why... Uh, As of last year, I worked towards becoming an international certified gambling counselor, and that's why ICGC is after my name 
And gambling is an issue that's been around for a very long time, and it continues to be ignored and remain hidden. And it's it's hidden in plain sight sometimes, even in comparison to other issues that we talk about. And throughout my entire counseling career, wherever I've worked, whoever I've worked with, I've seen gambling happen, and I've seen gambling be present. You know, so when I worked with teens in a group home, I we would see dice, we would see cards. When I worked in a halfway house with adults, we would see people playing cards game, betting on sports. In residential with adults, there was a lot more cards, and especially when it was people coming out of the um, criminal justice system, you know, coming out of jail, coming out of prison, they'd be playing a lot of card games. Spades was also popular, and that continued even when they were in treatment. Now, as I work with, you know, medicated medicaid assisted treatment i see people who've played scratch you know lottery tickets they acknowledge you know slot machines at bars and sports betting when i do outpatient mental health work you know there's things with people going to casinos you know sports betting fantasy betting you know doing things on their smartphones you know betting even on video games stuff like that so wherever i've been gambling has been present but the way we always would treat it was it being like a problem or a rule violation so when people come into treatment they come into a program they have a rule book or they sign away and one of them is that they won't gamble it that's like a rule violation so whenever we would see it we would address it as like a rule violation or it's against you know policy and you need to just stop it but never did we really look at it as, is this a problem? Is there more to it than just breaking a rule? So, you know, with kids, for example, we would confiscate dice. And by the time they would get out, we would say, you could have it back. And same thing would happen in other settings. Or if we see someone playing scratch or lottery tickets in the lobby, we would tell people, you you can't do that. It's against the rules. So you need to do that outside of here, but not looking at is this a concern? Is there more to it than just engaging in gambling? So it's always been there, but we've never necessarily looked at it as how much of a problem could this be? And one of the things that you notice or that's interesting is sometimes how people look at gambling. So one of the things that I often do when I talk about this issue is just go through kind of some questions about it to see where are people and where they look at whether or not they gamble. So if I asked you, in the last year, have you gambled? And then you think yes or no. And then going forward, asking the questions, have you engaged in any of the following types of gambling in the last year? So you know, I would ask, have you played any casino-style card games? Have you played any dice or craps? Have you played any electronic games like such as slots? Have you participated in any sports betting? March Madness is coming up. It's happening. That's something that people bet on. Have you done anything like purchase lottery tickets, scratch-offs, and pull tabs in the last year? Have you played bingo at all in the last year? Do any 
50-50 raffle tickets, maybe at sporting events or other types of activities, charities even. Have you done any online gambling or gambling-related games on like a smartphone or tablet in the last year? The interesting part of this exercise, and this is one that I've been working on with someone to grow into a larger type study, is some people will say that they did not gamble in the last year. And then when you go through the different types, you'll see that they have that they say yes. You know, so what does that tell you? Well, one of the problems with talking about gambling is defining what it is and the activities it can include. And this is not a conversation that I would have to have with people with, you know, alcohol and drugs. You know, someone telling me they're drinking this or drinking that, it's easy to say that that's alcohol or that, or it's not. If I have someone telling me that they're using a certain substance, it's not that they're telling me, no, it's not that. Like, that's what it is. Now, it's getting more complicated when people have substances mixed with other substances and they don't know what they're ingesting. But when it comes to, you know, gambling, the idea that people can acknowledge engaging in those activities, but they don't see it as gambling. So when you look at what gambling is, the definition of it is risking something of money or value on a game contest or any other event of chance or skill. And part of what gets tricky with the definition is risking something of money or value. So now we normally look at money as being the main thing. Well, if you're spending money on it or you're you're betting with money, but people can also bet with other things. They can gamble with other stuff. And we would see that more often in treatment settings when they didn't necessarily have money. So they might bet possessions or other things when money wasn't available. So risking something of value can be not as easy to define. And one of the other things that gets complicated with defining gambling is when it says skill. Some people might argue what is skill, what is chance, you know, what is knowledge, I know more. But that can get a really great area when you break down the cognitions with someone who gambles and especially someone who has problem gambling or gambling use disorder in particular. So defining it in the types doesn't always answer the question so easily. And it gets even a little bit more complicated when we look at some types of stuff with gambling in comparison to other issues. And the way I kind of look at it when I break it down and talk about it is, you know, how prevalent is it? Like how how widespread is it? And when you look at it, just some statistic-wise, for gambling in the U.S., so, you know, approximately 80 to 85% of U.S. adults have gambled at least once in their lives and 60% in the last year. And there's some form of legalized gambling in available in 48 states plus the District of Columbia. And the two without legalized gambling are Hawaii and Utah. So when you look at how widespread is problem gambling, so problem gambling, 
how widespread is that in the U.S.? And it's about 2 million or 1% of U.S. adults are estimated to meet criteria for pathological gambling in a given year. And then another 4 to 6 million, which is about 2 to 3%, would be considered problem gamblers. So, you know, you're looking at that 3 to 4% have problem or pathological, which is now changed to gambling use disorder, criteria. And you, you take a look at that, and then you can compare it to some other things. So there's a historical part that I compare it to. There is a how often it's happening. And then when you even look at the population that has a concern over it, just look at this for a moment. So with gambling in relation to other things, dice were found in an Egyptian tomb dated from approximately 3000 B.C., well, what we know is that fermented beverages existed in early Egyptian civilization. We also know the early alcoholic drink uh, was found in China around 7,000 BC. So alcohol's been around for a while. Gambling's been around for a while. When we look at the 80 to 85% of the adult population having reported gambling at some point in their life and 60% in the last year, well, according to a 2018 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 86% percent of adults reported that they drank at some point in their life and 70% in the last year. So those are pretty close numbers. And then when you look at problem and pathological gambling combined is estimated to be about that, you know, three to 4% of the general population. Those are similar prevalence rates that we have with bipolar and schizophrenia. But despite all this problem and gambling use disorder are not often recognized in like general treatment and and concerns even though it has some of those similar you know statistics as other conditions that we make sure we do of we talk about alcohol and we talk about drugs when someone has bipolar or schizophrenia we that's something that we want to make sure we pay attention to that they get help for that they need it so you know, why is it that gambling remains under the radar? And then when you look at it from other things that are happening, you know, what are some of the other addiction, so to speak, epidemics you may have heard in the last few years? And where is gambling in that? And when I present on this, I have a, a picture of an iceberg. And what we see at the top is we hear about the opioid epidemic, we hear about stimulants, we've heard about vaping, social media has talked about a lot, video games, pornography, technology, even alcohol use. We've seen some of these rise over the years and even happen more recently with the pandemic. And there's times where too, I was even seeing people for a variety of these reasons very quickly. You know, at the Medicaid Assisted Treatment Program, we have people come in every week for treatment. We have, in a time frame, I had three kids from three different high schools referred to me because they were caught vaping. There's always one or two people I get referred to me on a regular basis who their issues are pornography. So these are all things that we are seeing more and more of. So then you ask, like, where 
is gambling in all this. And gambling is not one that is getting that same attention. And in the graph that I, the picture that I use, gambling is way at the bottom that is hidden, that is in the darkness, that it is not getting the attention. And you got to ask, like, why, why is that? And there's a lot of things to look at for why gambling remains, you know, hidden and under the radar. And one of is that few individuals seek gambling treatment. There's not even a lot of gambling treatment out there. And there's no easy indicators for recent gambling. You know, you can't find someone who's just recently gambled, you know, all their money away or their their money for their bills or they are in a really tough loss with it. So you can't just see that by someone. You know, there's no, you can't detect it. You can't give a, a breathalyzer or a drug test for, for gambling. And you can't see it either. Like when people come in, or you see people who are under the influence or someone who might have mental health issues. You, there are no easy indicators for gambling. And gambling can also be an isolating issue that is happening more often now too with technology and how people are able to gamble. Gambling is also a very social cultural activity Right now, I kind of mentioned the March Madness, and that is a social activity around this time of the year. You know, places at work offer, you know, um, chances to to get in on the, the work pool or a chance to win money by doing a March Madness pool. I saw, I got an email from um, a service that I use for finances, and part of it was join our March Madness bracket and I was I didn't expect to see that so gambling you know people buy lottery tickets for people as presents you know birthday gifts and it's something that is very cultural so that's where it kind of mimics alcohol use there's a lot of lack of training and education on gambling and gambling related concerns and issues you know if you go to you know a well-known you know substance use or mental health training provider you know type in gambling and see what comes up i get trainings sent in the mail probably every week and very rarely are there ones that offer trainings or education on gambling another thing is prioritizing treatment can be difficult you know when you have someone who has mental health drug issues uh, legal stuff marital problems interpersonal conflicts and and employment issues it's kind of hard to be like well let's make sure we talk about gambling now or let's figure out gambling it's very difficult to do that other addictions also grab headlines and attention so how many times have you seen opioid epidemic or you've seen alcohol rise those are ones that grab more attention and headlines than issues related to gambling i'm going to share with you the differences i see with gambling in comparison to some of these others. And also, we're, we're going to talk about later in the episode, that technology kind of blurs how it's defined. We are seeing things happen more and more now that gambling is being sort of intermixed with other types of issues. So, and this is, I'm going to give an example of a case study that highlights how it can remain hidden. And I, I was seeing a guy for over a year 
And he was uh, 32 years old. He was uh, presented for treatment for opioid use. He was interested in getting treatment. He wanted to stop using heroin. He was using a bunch of other drugs at the same time, you know, marijuana, amphetamines, cocaine. There's also some mental health issues that he was having, uh, you know, multiple mental health issues. He wasn't seeing any mental health provider, was on any medications. He was unemployed and he was working on obtaining disability due to back pain. And this was all stuff that he was coming to see me with. So, of course, I'm trying to, you know, triage this. You know, what is most concerning? What's most important? What does he want to work on? Let's, you know, start helping him. So a year goes by. And we're able to make some progress. You know, he was able to stop his heroin use and other drug use. He finally starts seeing a provider for mental health, and he was on some medications to help with that. So for over a year now, there's nothing that that tells me gambling is a concern or an issue or even something to ask about. Well, after a while, I reviewed an old treatment plan of his that came from a previous counselor he was working with. And in it, I saw that one of his treatment goals was to process the death of his parents who died unexpectedly when he was younger. So I think he was like in his mid-20s when his parents died. And part of the treatment plan was to address that. And I brought it up. You know, I was like, you know, this is part of your old treatment plan. Is this something that you still want to work on? Or where are we at with this? And as you start talking about it, he goes into a lot of guilt and shame. And it was, you know, trying to figure out what was going on behind that and what was resulting in these feelings. And as we talked, he had a lot of shame for gambling about $40,000 of an inheritance he received and losing all that. So... How else was that going to be known? How else were we going to get to that with everything else that was going on? It's not an automatic thing to just be like, well, he must have gambling problems. Wouldn't have even brought it up or even paid attention to it until looking at that goal and digging into it and finding out that that's what was behind a lot of that. So I don't. I share that case study because I don't blame people or fault people for not recognizing it right away because it does remain hidden like that. It's easier for someone to seek treatment for someone for something like heroin use than it is for people to seek treatment for gambling. It's easier to see those things that are going on than it is to gambling. It is easier to notice that's what I need to work on and address or help him with than to look at maybe there's something gambling going on. So for a lot of reasons, gambling really remains hidden. And the issue with it is that people, that percentage is key. And this is where we get into I've had this discussion before where people, when they think I'm an alcohol and drug abuse counselor, they think I don't want anyone drinking or doing drugs. When people 
find out that I work with gambling. They think I don't want people to gamble and so on and so forth. And I'm not here to tell people what to do or what not to do. You know, my goal as a counselor and provider is always to know what's going on in their life and how is this behavior impacting them. So with gambling, that percentage, that three to four percent, for a lot of other people, they can socially gamble, they can gamble without problems, or they just don't gamble at all. But to the three or four percent, those are the people that end up in my office. Those are the people who end up desperate and calling helplines. Those are the people that gambling more than likely has and could potentially destroy their life. So this isn't the conversation about gambling in general or about gambling for someone who does it once in a while can spend 20 bucks and walk away and think nothing of it. This is not the type of problem gambling or gambling use disorder that we are talking about. And the more you start to learn about, the more you start to see what is happening, you know, with it and why it's important to pay attention to it. You know, so when I talk with helping professionals, you know, substance use counselors, uh, mental health therapists, marriage and family therapists, all this type of stuff, educators, all that, that's important for helping professionals to also be aware of gambling. And there's a lot of reasons for that, because people with gambling are less likely to seek treatment for that specific issue. You often find out they come to marital counseling, and then you discover that part of it is related to money. Then when you find out what's going on with the money, it's because of there's some gambling going on. Like I said, some might come to me for a heroin problem or a drug problem, but there also might be some gambling behind it. But gambling is rarely the thing that they will come and seek treatment for. If they do seek services, those other issues can kind of keep gambling hidden and that's why picking up on some of those things you know when they talk about it's like when a couple talks about a fight they had and well what happened they say well we were at the casino this weekend that's something to kind of dig in a little bit more they're not just going to come out and say well gambling's a problem and they come up while you are treating those other issues and that's why it's important to be aware of it There's a lot of lack of gambling resources and professionals in the area. You know, there's very, very few treatment centers for gambling in this country in general. There's fewer people who do what I do with the International Certified Gambling Certification. There are fewer supervisors who do that kind of work. There's fewer support meetings and support groups for it. So there aren't a lot of resources to help with that. You know, and the the implications and consequences of gambling can be catastrophic when it comes to mental health and substance use. So one of the things that we look at, too, is gambling becoming more a part of things today. 
that we are seeing with some of the stuff that's going on with technology, social media, and you know, the, a case study that came to me that really opened my eyes to this was I saw a female who was seeking my help because she was spending money on a game. And she reports that she doesn't gamble, but spends a lot of time and money on a smartphone game. And the game is a slot machine where you are given like a certain amount of tokens. If you lose all your tokens, more are available to play the next day for free, or you can spend money to receive some tokens immediately. But you cannot exchange your winnings for actual money. And this is where some people will say, well, it's not gambling then. And in time, she spent $50,000 on in-game purchases and ended up embezzling money from her own prior practice to cover the costs. But this person, you know, from the get-go reports that she doesn't really gamble, but this is a slot machine. It's designed that way. So we are seeing this more often when it comes to gambling, video gaming, and technology. There's also the future of gambling is you know video game gambling is something that is being worked on and tested where you might be playing a game and for me and for some of us somewhat old schooler i know there's a lot more other older games but to me it's like imagining playing mario kart and instead of playing to compete a level or compete with friends you're playing for a high score to win money so this is becoming an alternative to chance-based games like slots. These are becoming more skill-based games. That's kind of creating this hybrid of gaming and gambling. So we all know Call of Duty is a really popular thing. So imagine being able to bet money that you can get to a certain level in Call of Duty and that you can actually earn money from that. So you kind of ask what kind of implications does this potentially have? And we're seeing that converge with this gambling and gaming which is actually a term for that which is called gambling but what we're seeing is people gambling on video games we're also seeing gambling on video game events so there are events that occur where people go and watch video gamers or even teams of video gamers just like you'd go to watch a sport so the idea now that i can gamble on a video game event, just like you can gamble on a sports event. And you also look into that with the online fantasy betting on video games. So you can bet on fantasy sports. There's the thing now about betting on fantasy esports. So we're seeing this convergence of gambling and gaming. And that's something why we have to pay more attention to that. And that's where the definition is becoming a lot more difficult with it. You know, here was um, an article I found that was talking about addicted to losing, how casino-like apps have drained millions of people. And it it once again was one of those um, apps with the like lottery slot machine. And it just goes in to talk about how they're labeled video games because that allows the company to skirt the tightly regulated gambling market. But it's like the same thing. It is the same type of activity, but we're not calling it gambling. We're calling it video games. 
You know, one of the quotes from the article was, these games are not gambling because, among other reasons, they offer no opportunity for players to win money or anything of value. Notice the definition of gambling doesn't say that you have to win money. All it's saying is that you are risking money. So this is how it's kind of being skirted around and gambling is becoming an issue with people not calling it gambling. And there's a lot of things that you break down with the impact of gambling. And that's a, it's a whole nother thing about understanding problem gambling, understanding gambling use disorder. And that's not the goal today. The goal today in this episode is just really learn that gambling is something we have to talk more about, pay more attention to. We have to ask more about it. We need to do more to learn more about it and look at it and explore the impact it has on the individual or ourselves, if, if that's the person that we are thinking or worried about. So there's ways that I talk about bringing it into the light. And there's things that professionals can do. There's things that individuals can do. And one of the things that everyone can do is you, you pay more attention to when it's mentioned. And one of that is through my all too familiar article autopsies, which I do with my gambling supervisor, where I find articles or we see articles about it. And this is a list of five. And I just want you to think of the difference between these headlines and the headlines we see with other things like alcohol, opioid, you know, suicide, mental health. So here's some articles. Police officers sent to rehab for doing scratch-off lottery tickets on duty, lawsuit claims. Professional poker player pleads guilty to fraud, embezzling $22 million and using most of it for crypto trading. Two Catholic school nuns accused of embezzling about a half million dollars on gambling trips. Saudi prince lost more than $350 million, gives wise in gambling at Egypt's casino. The Knicks were roasted by fans when a fan hit a half-court shot and was rewarded with $1,000 in scratch-off lottery tickets. Do you notice the difference between those types of headlines and other issues like alcohol and drugs and mental health? Ones related to gambling often only involve one or a few people. They don't have that larger scale number of people that grabs headlines. And that's where we get into the isolating issue. It becomes an isolating issue and makes it harder to look at. And another area you kind of look at is with some I've captured even on social media posting. So when I follow some sports ones and some other things, these are some of the postings made on social media. And here's a couple. Better drop $10,000 on Wizards to win the NBA title. Mattress Mac places 3.46 million wager on bucks. Slap betting takes the game to new levels. LeBron's no-look three was the result of an in-game bet. They started betting on what color car would pass next without sports. 
I don't remember a time when reporting on gambling related to these things was so popular where it was gaining headlines and it was a part of social media posts. And obviously social media wasn't around years and years ago when I was initially getting into this, but the fact that, you know, ESPN sports center or, you know, some place posts something about betting or about gambling, that is just a really interesting dynamic to it. So, that's another way when you start paying attention more to it. Another one is there's two movies I would recommend to get a better idea of gambling. And one of them is Rounders. And Rounders was a movie with Matt Damon and Edward Norton and their two friends. And it kind of gets into the, you know, the underworld of, of poker and Texas Hold'em. And it was it was released in 1998 and when gambling really started to take off texas hold'em really did around like 2004 when it was televised and merchandise for texas hold'em was one of the highest selling christmas gifts this movie was one of the ones that became a really popular one it became a cult hit the interesting thing about this is they both gamble and they are both like in this situation together. And Matt Damon is this law student who, you know, seems to have it together. He's kind of like the hero of the film. And his his friend, Edward Norton, is kind of like the guy who always messes up. He screws up. You know, he's coming out of jail and you know, can't catch a break, but he's always kind of causing his own problems. And it's interesting because of how you view the two individuals and how you see one as being like, this guy's got a problem with gambling and how you look at another as like, they're the the professional poker player. But when you break it down more and you kind of watch and learn more about gambling and problem gambling, you'll notice that they are they are very similar. And even though it might not present itself, they both show concerning behaviors when it comes to their involvement and reasons for gambling. And it's interesting because you're kind of rooting for one and not necessarily the other. So if you watch more about that, or you watch it at all, you kind of learn more about that the issue of, you know, like underground gambling, but the idea of like professional poker playing. And it it was really a part of that big poker boom in really the early 2000s. And then another movie you want to watch, which I I did not think I was going to even mention this, was um, a year before that, there was a film called Metro. And it's like an, it's a comedy sort of but more action thriller which stars eddie murphy and michael or um yeah michael rapaport isn't it and he's a hostage negotiation a negotiator and there's a, a thief involved in hostage situation and eddie murphy ends up you know 
going after this guy and, and all this stuff happens. But I watched this many years ago and I just watched it probably like a month or two ago. And one of the things I didn't even realize was how much gambling is mentioned in the movie as far as Eddie Murphy's character goes. And if you watch it once and you just kind of watch it again to pay more attention to that, you'll notice that it's a pretty important theme that is talked about kind of throughout the movie. And it kind of just like goes nowhere with it. And it was just very interesting to watch because for some reason it was important enough to mention so often throughout it. You kind of wonder where was, where was it going to go with that? Or what was the point in really bringing light to that? So I make a reference to that movie because at first you might not even realize how much of a part it is. And once again, that highlights the problem with gambling. It remains hidden. It remains unknown, even when it's right in front of us. Once you start to see it more and look at it more, you'll realize gambling is a much more part of things and kind of what goes on. And that movie shows that. So, you know, simple things like headlines, articles, movies, and films and stuff like that, it is ways to increase our awareness. I encourage people to go to ncpgambling.org, which is a national council on problem gambling. You can also go to gamblersanonymous.org to learn more about um, help for gambling. But those are resources to start learning more about it, becoming more aware of it. And in the end, gambling's not new. And it's not going away. And participating in it is common. And to some people, it can destroy their lives. You know, gambling has greater potential to impact people already experiencing issues with substance use and mental health. The advancements in technology and innovation are making gambling a little bit more difficult to identify. You know, it's already leading to like these hybrid gambling, gaming, you know, related activities. So it's important to just start to increase that awareness about it and start to look more into it. And that's, you know, my challenge from this episode is all I'm really asking people to do is with everything you've heard is to pay more attention to gambling by doing so, take a look at what you see and what you discover. If you are an individual who gambles, you know, pay more attention to it and the role gambling has in your life. If you are someone that has a substance use disorder or mental health issue, you know, ask yourself, you know, do I gamble? Does it have an impact on these issues? If you're a family member who isn't sure about whether someone's gambling is a problem or not, seek out some resources to learn more about it. If you are a professional you need to learn more about recognizing problem gambling and gambling use disorder, asking questions, screening for it, paying attention to red flags. A lot of my work has been educating professionals on this very topic. By putting it on our radar, which is one of the ways I talk about increasing awareness, we are going to see more about gambling and help 
bring it more to light. So this isn't going to end here just because the month of March is coming to an end or because it will be over. It will be one that we can continue to talk about so we can continue to see it and continue to recognize the individuals who have problems with it and those who need help and the people that care about them and love them and the people who are trying to help them. So let's continue talking about gambling. I hope you learned something. Thanks for listening.